Hey, Fire fans, welcome back to Feed the Fire, a Chicago Fire podcast. And I am glad to have you back as we look ahead to the Chicago Fire's next matchup this Saturday, May 6th at Nashville SC. And a happy Cinco de Mayo to everyone. I hope you're all having a wonderful celebration. I'm hoping you've started celebrating already and we'll get some good vibes going into the weekend for this match. I hope you're having a safe celebration as well. I know tonight, got a little party at my cousin's, probably get some tacos. Most likely there'll be a little tequila as well. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll enjoy all the festivities, that's for sure. But today in this show, we are talking Chicago Fire. And I would much be rather talking about my kids' youth teams, um, who are 2-0 at this point, uh, rather than talking about the Chicago Fire getting ready for another disappointing performance. But this is what we do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the key players. We're going to look at some of the formations, tactics, uh, as well as give you my predictions, a little bit of history and trivia between these two teams. Uh, and then we'll look at some Fire-related news and some MLS news, uh, some league-wide stuff from around the MLS, so stay tuned. All right, welcome back once again, listeners and viewers. If you're over on YouTube and if you're listening, follow along on Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. We are looking at the 11th place Chicago Fire visiting the fourth place Nashville SC. Now, Nashville is coming off a big 3 1 victory over Atlanta United, and Hani Mutar looked like an MVP again. Two assists. I think in a prior episode I said he assisted all three goals, but he had two assists in that match. And Nashville's recent run of form is pretty good. Two wins, two draws, and a loss in their last five. Uh, but again, coming off of that win and coming off, if you want to throw it in there, a U.S. Open Cup win against San Antonio. So, so they are definitely playing their best soccer of their recent form. Meanwhile, the Fire are not. The Fire have one win, one loss, and three draws in their last five. But in two of those draws, they have given up leads. And that third draw was a 0-0 tie with DC United. So the Fire are not playing winning soccer. Nashville is. The Fire aren't. I guess that kind of tells you the tone of this episode and a little hint at what my prediction is going to be. Now, looking at Nashville SC, I, I haven't seen anything official, but they look to have their full complement of players for this matchup. Uh, last week, defender uh, Depew was out, so he may be one question mark that they have, but Nashville SC has a pretty good defense regardless. And, and let's take a look at who they have along the back, right? Obviously, goalkeeper Joe Willis is where we got to start. I think he's a very underrated goalkeeper. Uh, I was at Nashville's home opener this season with my family, made a nice long weekend of it, ate our fill of barbecue, and took in uh, the match against New York City. And Joe Willis came up with some big saves. And, and honestly, the fact that he stonewalled New York City early in that game allowed Nashville to grow into it, allowed the fans to get into it, and then allowed Nashville uh, to come away with a, a three-point result on that one. And honestly, it stymied New York City's offense to the point where people were questioning them and, and they got a little down on themselves early off to start the season. So Joe Willis, very underrated goalkeeper. And by the way, has the best save percentage in MLS right now. 
Additionally, you've got Walker Zimmerman anchoring that back line for them. And the Nashville defense has only allowed six goals in MLS play so far. That's best in the league. Least goals allowed to this point, Nashville SC. Uh, you also have as uh, your one of your wingbacks, typically I think on the left side maybe, uh, Daniel Lovitz. Now, if you followed me back on Sons of a Pitch Soccer from years back, you heard Mike and I really having a lot of fun at the expense of Daniel Lovitz and his national team time. Uh, but given all of that and putting that aside, I've, I've grown to have a lot of respect for Daniel Lovitz because, you know, I'm looking at why he's getting selected for the national team at that point and why he's playing so well and in the starting lineup with Nashville SC. Daniel Lovitz is an excellent crosser of the ball. He gets in deep and he can pick out uh, those first, second, and third runners uh, when he gets into the right positions. He is one of those guys who may not show up on the score sheet and may not flash in front of your eyes, but if you look at his numbers and his stats post-game and post-season, he is a very high performer for Nashville. So watch him coming down the wings. Now let's moving up the field. We have got in the middle Hani Mukhtar. The the man is the one of the faces of MLS and the face of Nashville SC. Like I said, former MVP coming off a two assist performance last game against Atlanta. That brings his total to five assists and three goals on the season. So Hani can score. Hani can dish. Hani can draw defenders. He makes runs. He he really is a complete footballer. He is a complete player in MLS and for Nashville and is definitely their most dangerous player because of everything he can do. What we saw last week was Jacob Schaffelberg uh, coming off the bench uh, in the second half as a sub, and that seemed to really work out well. So it wouldn't surprise me if that happens, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we see Schaffelberg uh, get a starting spot if they want to rest up some of their other strikers, Teal Bunbury, Fafa Pico. Schaffelberg and Hani have developed a really good rapport but I don't think they're going to need it against the a Chicago fire team who struggles in transition defense. Uh, I think that Nashville is going to be just fine with Bunbury and Pico up front striking against Chicago and Hani feeding them the ball or Dax McCarty turning things over in the midfield or roaming the midfield. If Shakiri doesn't want to play defense at all, or if Gaston gets pulled out of possession, McCarty and Hani are going to pick apart the fire back line in transition. And this should be, should be a pretty good result for them. Now, Nashville typically plays a 4-4-2, but they've used a 4-3-3 at least once this season that I saw. Uh, and Gary Smith, their manager, will mix things up as games dictate. Uh, but I don't believe Nashville is going to have to change too much. They're a superior team to the fire. They have more talent and they're playing better. So I don't think they're going to have to change too much. It's going to be incumbent upon Ezra Hendrickson uh, to come out with a solid game plan uh, and being the away team, he's probably going to want to sit in, sit compact. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start in a 4-2-3-1 that he does week in and week out. Uh, and if they somehow steal a lead, then he'll shift back into his 4-5-1, his very defensive structure. Uh, but again, it's going to be incumbent on Ezra to weather the early storm and then to try and make the adjustments to steal a goal or steal a point on the road. And and if that is where our hope comes down to, I am not hopeful because he has failed to do that this season so far. In-game and especially halftime and second half adjustments are not his strong suit and just may not be his suit, period. So I, I don't expect uh, him to get to, to outcoach. Uh, I expect Gary Smith to have the better coaching performance on the night. 
So flipping uh, to Chicago as we have, uh, the only player who's been listed out is Victor Bezerra, striker, uh, which is unfortunate. I really thought he would get a lot of minutes uh, this season. He didn't get, I think, his fair shake last season, and I'd love to see if he can really prove himself at the first team level against major league soccer defensive competition, rather than just having, you know, really good seasons playing in MLS next pro I'd like to see him, but unfortunately his injury has kept him out several weeks. Not that that means anything that we only have one player out because as we heard last week, Shakiri was battling an injury, even though they didn't list him as on the injury report as questionable. Uh, so I don't know if the league's going to look into that at all. Kind of hope they do just to, keep our coaching staff and our front office on their toes. Uh, but, but who knows what the coaches are going to do? Um, are they going to start Gutierrez? They're going to have to start Gutierrez. So the question is, are they going to start Jordan Shakiri alongside him? If they've worked on that at all, or if Jordan Shakiri is going to be the, the $8 million super sub. If, if, if you're listening at home, I have my hands thrown up in the air uh, because there is just nothing that has ever made sense about what the fire have done with Jared Shakiri and Brian Gutierrez and their entire offense. So I honestly cannot give you uh, a, a well thought out guess here. The only thing I can say is if the fire are going to play their best and if they're going to play winning soccer, they need to figure out how to get their two best attacking players Brian Gutierrez and Jared Shakiri on the field working together at the same time. And that's going to fall on the coaching staff. And I am not hopeful. Additionally, uh, I, I don't, again, I don't expect them to change their tactics. Um, and I don't expect any of the results to change as a result of that. So uh, that's all I'm going to say about Chicago fire. You know, I'm, I'm 10 minutes in, you guys see it week in and week out from this team. They trot out the same lineup. They trot out the same tactics. They, they fail to adjust in the second half and they blow leads and, and give up points. I don't expect them to do better than that on the road against a good Nashville team in a great Nashville Geodis Park environment. So as we transition into some of the trivia and predictions, I'm going to remind everyone that our show is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water, clearly unintended it's one of the best so go out and grab a bottle or three or four stay hydrated this Cinco de Mayo stay hydrated this MLS match weekend uh, with Skira Icelandic spring water at your local 7-Eleven a little bit of trivia for you between Nashville and Chicago uh, Nashville's never lost to Chicago ever uh, unless there's some random U.S. Open Cup that I'm game that I've missed in, in years gone by. Uh, Nashville hasn't lost to Chicago, at least in MLS play. They have five wins and one draw against the Fire. Does not bode well for Chicago. History does not bode well for the Fire. Uh, Gutierrez, though, is setting a little bit of Fire history and, and could create some Fire history. He has an assist in three straight road games. The only player to have an assist in four straight road games is Patrick Niarco back in summer of 2011. He actually ended up uh, with an assist in five straight road games. So Gutierrez could put himself in some rare Chicago Fire territory if he keeps his road form performing. Let's take a look at the odds now. According to BetMGM this Friday morning, Nashville is the heavy favorite. They are at minus 125. And Chicago is at plus 320. So again, if you're betting on Nashville, you'd have to bet $125 to make 100 
Whereas for Chicago, if you bet them to win, bet a hundred on Chicago to win and they do, then you'd make 320. So heavy favorites for the home team. Uh, even the draw is, is at plus 260. Uh, so it, it, the odds makers don't even give that a very good chance. And we know that the fire have a tendency to draw, uh, but then again, they usually draw from, from leading previously. And I doubt they'll take the lead against Nashville unless there's some crazy fluke and the fire gods are angry uh, by Nashville SC for some reason. So I'm predicting another three, one Nashville victory. They're better. They're playing better. Uh, I think the fire have it in them to steal one or get a lucky one. Uh, and, but I do expect Nashville to handily win this game. The only way I don't see that happening would be uh, Nashville does like to play a little bit more defensively uh, and more compactly. So this could, if this turns into a game of just two teams who don't want the ball and instead want to turn you over and counterattack, maybe the fire have a chance. And, and maybe if the fire play a little bit more chaotic in Nashville's defensive zone and can kind of throw their defense out of shape. Uh, but I, I just don't see it happening. All right, let's look around some other Chicago Fire news and some things around the league. The big thing that came out of Chicago Fire this week is the club will not release Brian Gutierrez and Chris Brady for youth national team duty in the under-20 World Cup. So good on Gutierrez and Brady for playing so well, not just with their club, but doing so well when they had international opportunities uh, and prior iterations of youth tournaments. Uh, but the Chicago Fire aren't releasing them, and I think this is the wrong move. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not blaming the team for wanting to keep their best players around and win games. I, I get it. They're making a business decision. They want to win games. They want to keep their best players here. But that is a, a self-indictment if that's the case, because if your best players are your two 19-year-old homegrowns, you are admitting how terrible you are at roster construction. I mean, look at your designated players and your TAM signings. That's all we need to say. But also, there's a lot more at stake here than just a few games and, you know, stealing some points on the road, right? There's the value of the players. And, and of course, I, I don't totally agree with people who say, like, well, they could play bad and, and decrease their value just as much as if they play well at the U20 World Cup and increase their value. Because if you're playing at the U20 World Cup, you, you've already set, like, a minimum kind of floor for your talent. Uh, unless, you know, Gutierrez dribbles into the wrong net, or, you know, or Chris or Chris Brady lets in a couple howlers. I don't think as they could play so bad where their value takes a dramatic hit. Again, you can always win it back with stellar MLS play. Most purchasing clubs, again, I think would place an added value on them appearing and getting some international competition. Conversely, though, I'm, I'm not too behind the you're ruining your kids' dreams argument that well, this is their dream, and how dare you take that away from them? Look, it's a business decision. These are professional players. Like They, they got to negotiate that in their contract, or the players' union has to negotiate that with the league to be released for youth international tournaments. So I'm not going to get behind the whole, well, it's going to decrease their value argument. I'm not going to get behind the, the you're ruining kids' dreams argument so much. But what I am going to say in criticism of the Chicago Fire is they're missing the big picture here. One thing that the Chicago Fire have done relatively well is sign young players. Uh, Gaga Slanina, John Duran, a couple of big sales from last year. Carlos Turan, Brian Gutierrez, Yorgos Kutsias, Federico Navarro. They have done fairly well over the last several seasons of finding young talent. Young players see that and they're going to want to come to Chicago because they get the opportunity to earn starters minutes. 
But now the fire take away the opportunity for these young international players or young uh, American players to play in youth World Cups, which may be their only opportunity to play in a World Cup at any level, right? So the fire have now lost that goodwill uh, and lost that appeal where it's a place where people can thrive on the international stage. Additionally, the fire are not improving their position in the international market. Again, yep, we saw the sale for Gagas Lonina and John Duran, wonderful pieces of business. So this is the time to continue that momentum to bring your two best players and put them on the international stage here and develop a little bit of a reputation like a Dallas, like a Philly, like a Red Bull of selling youth players or identifying good youth players that then other big clubs around the world or even middle tier clubs around the world can purchase and develop further for their own gain, right? We already have the Lugano team, FC Lugano in the Swiss league as part of this ownership group. You literally have a foot in the door in Europe uh, for, for a pipeline for selling players and for getting players exposure. And now you're withdrawing your two best opportunities to do that. Cause remember Duran, not a homegrown Slonina kind of a generational goalie talent. If, if you want to kind of hedge against the, the uh, excitement of selling him to Chelsea. Um, this is an opportunity to showcase another homegrown and not just, you know, uh, a, a striker like a Jesus Ferreira US is going to go play striker or, Hey, we all know Americans develop good goalies. This is a playmaking center attacking midfielder. And if, if anyone wants to criticize the U S uh, national team, senior team, then maybe that's something they've been lacking. Right. Uh, so this is a real important showcase that the fire could have had and and they totally totally whiffed on it we also have heard from coach Ezra Hendrickson that the decision to not release the players was made by George Heights sporting director Sebastian Pelzer technical director and Ezra Hendrickson the manager um, all three of them had had spoken at length according to uh, according to Ezra uh, but what's funny is those are the three guys whose jobs are on the line right now those are the three guys with the hottest seats because of how the fire have performed the last two, three, four, five seasons, right? So the fact that they have to, they're making decisions to save their jobs should not be discounted at this point, right? You, you can't just say they're doing this in the best interest of the club or the players or whatever, because they their butts are on the line. Their jobs are on the line. And additionally, as I saw a great comment online uh, point out, like, why wouldn't you release Gutierrez when Shakiri is supposed to be able to step up? Again, if, if you're doing that because Shakiri is not ready, then that's an even bigger indictment against the quality of signings and the front office. One last thing I'm going to say is if you're not going to release these guys, how's that going to affect the locker room? I think it's going to affect it negatively. Sure, the guys are going to be happy they've got their teammates around them and they've got some better players with them, but... At the same time, like if you're the backup goalkeeper, if you're Spencer Rishi, or if you are any of the other midfielders on this roster, and you're like, the, the team, the coaching staff doesn't think we're good enough to, to take points, get results, win games without these two players. Like that. And if they're like, okay, that's fine, then there's another mental problem that's going on in that locker room that they know that they're not good enough without these two. That's a problem. So that is my entire ranch spiel, whatever you want to call it about the Chicago Fire not releasing uh, Brian Gutierrez and Chris Brady to international duty. Quickly, let's look at a few things from around the league. Some notable matches this upcoming weekend. 
A lot of good rivalry games, especially in the Eastern Conference. Miami hosting Atlanta. Red Bulls hosting Philly. If there weren't a, enough yellow cards in the Chicago Fire Philly game, look for them in this one. Uh, and TFC hosting New England. That has they, they have met in the playoffs a little bit. They've had some good matches in the past. We'll see how these new-look teams kind of reignite this rivalry here. And then looking out west, you have San Jose hosting LAFC, so a little bit of an interstate or an intrastate uh, rivalry there. San Jose a little bit on the up. LAFC, of course, coming off a big win in CONCACAF Champions League, a 3-0 victory uh, to advance past the Philadelphia Union 4-1 on aggregate um, to get to the CONCACAF Champions League final. So we'll see if uh, LAFC is, is riding the, that wave of positive energy and emotion and momentum. And if they're, if their players are, are ready to go against a, an improving San Jose team, or if they're going to rotate a little bit and maybe concede a couple points on the road, play for the draw and then get ready, uh, get their squad ready for CONCACAF Champions League finals. Those will take place first leg, May 31st, second leg, June 4th. Uh, I don't believe they, uh, so they'll be playing Leon. And I have not double-checked to see who's going to be the home team in that one. Uh, but it is LAFC versus Leon from Liga MX, who defeated Tigres. Uh, and they will be playing for Continental title and an opportunity to go to the Club World Cup. Last little tidbit, U.S. Open Cup, speaking of domestic tournaments. Uh, May 9th, Chicago is hosting St. Louis City at SeatGeek Stadium in Bridgeview. As I said in the last episode, this is a great way to kick off a rivalry between these two clubs. Geographically close, tro you know, trophies on the line with the Open Cup, uh, first ever meeting. There's a lot that could be established on the pitch and off the pitch. If you've been following whatever debacle the Chicago Fire Media Team video that got released, go just just go on Twitter and and search for the hashtag CF97. You'll find it. I haven't fully gotten into it, but it, it does look embarrassing from an organizational standpoint from what I've read. But anyway, let's get the rivalry with St. Louis City started right. And that's everything for today, Fire fans and listeners and viewers. Thanks again to Skira Icelandic Spring Water, our sponsor who's been with us from the start and who has helped this become, you know, a well-listened-to, well-attended, getting-the-word-out-there Chicago Fire podcast. Our last episode, our recap of that Atlanta game uh, was our I'm sorry, the Red Bull game was the most listened to podcast. We've had uh, close to 150 listens over all platforms, and we continue to grow. So thanks to Skiwa for supporting it. Thank you to the listeners and viewers for supporting, clicking, liking, subscribing, following, and sharing and interacting with us. We appreciate your support. I'm going to say let's go fire. Bomb that fire. We'll see if they can get a result on the road. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.